All right, well, we're in Acts chapter 13, if you're new or visiting. What we're doing is we're going through the book of Acts on Sunday morning, and then Pastor Darrell is going through the book of Romans on Wednesday night. So a lot of things going on. So be in prayer for one another. Father, we just thank you and praise you. Um, we often come to pray, and we forget to praise. And Father, I thank you for Sam and Judy being here this morning. I know they've missed us for months, and it's just been on their heart to be here. And so I just thank you for that. Just bless them, encourage them, strengthen them. Continue to heal, Lord. And just for all the saints, Lord, I know there's a lot of people with stuff going on, the flu, the cold, the, the viruses going around. We just pray for protection. We know we live in a cursed world, and it rains on the just as well as the unjust. But as I, I prayed earlier, Father, I just thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. And I thank you, Father, we only have to go through this once. <laughs> we got a brand new body waiting for us. Heaven, 1,500 miles high. Oh, 1,500 miles wide. Billion plus saints. No time. No naps. Praise God. It's going to be wonderful, Father. I just thank you for being so good to us. And I just ask your blessing upon your word this morning. As we see the mission field, as we see Saul and Barnabas going on their first missionary journey, Father, we want to be a part of the mission field. We're not just looking at history here. We're reading about your Holy Spirit who is alive and active and wants to use every single Bible-believing Christian on this earth in their mission field. So I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's pick it up in chapter 13. We'll start in verse 1. We covered it last week. Uh, well, let's just pick it up in verse 4. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Cilicia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. They are, in verse 2, Barnabas and Saul, for the work that I have called them. Called them, and that's very important. We touched on that last week, so I want to bring it up again. Um, when, as you pray, you want to make sure that you're called to do something, that you're called to do something. If you're called to vacuum the sanctuary, then you come on in and vacuum the sanctuary. If you're called to make a dinner for somebody and take it over to their house without even being asked, then you do that. You, you should have the freedom, the freedom to move in the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit calling you to do things. But other times a call might go out and you feel guilty or condemned or whatever, and that's not of, that's not of God. If you feel convicted, that's of the Holy Spirit, condemnations of the devil. But if you feel convicted, then pray about that. And if he confirms that, yeah, I want you to do that, then by all means you should do that. But if you're not called to do it, and you start out doing it, like we mentioned last week, if you're doing it in the flesh, you will become burned out. And then you'll get frustrated at people, and you might even get frustrated at God. So you really have to make sure you're calling. So Barnabas and Saul... They've prayed, and they know that they're called. Then having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them, sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Notice that, sent out by the Holy Spirit. They were sent out by men, men that they laid hands on them and prayed over them. But again, most importantly, they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. This is Saul's first of three missionary journeys. This journey began in 48 A.D., roughly, and lasted one year. And as we will see, they traveled over land and sea, covering about 1,400 miles. No air-conditioned car. No rest areas in five miles. No five-star hotels. Just walking, and then maybe if they had an animal, and obviously a boat, but very hard times. But notice, because we're so comfortable in America, and we are, as I often say, spoiled in America. Oh, you want me to walk across the street and minister to somebody? Oh, it's so far. And it's 75 degrees out. I don't know. Wait till it's 110, and then I'll have a really good excuse. Guys, we just have to be available for the Holy Spirit. Cilicia was a port city not far from Antioch. By boat, they sailed to Cyprus, which was the island that Barnabas was born and raised on. And it appears that Barnabas had a desire to spread the good news in his hometown, as we read in verse 5. And they arrived at Salamis. They preached... 
the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. And you want to remember from last week, John Mark. So the first town mentioned is Salamis, which is a port city on the eastern coast of Cyprus. Tradition holds that Salamis is the birthplace of Barnabas and also where he was stoned to death by a Jewish mob. Literal stones. Barnabas and Saul went to the synagogues to preach the word first. Why the synagogues? Because the Jews were the holders of the scriptures. They had the scriptures. They would have been very familiar with them, which you would think would have made them the ones who would have been most open to the scriptures. And so as we do a study, we want to remember that we can still apply this all to ourselves, even though it's maybe almost 2,000 years ago. We can sit here this morning as Christians, and maybe you're church shopping, and that's okay. Pray about where God has called you to go. But we can also become as Christians just, ah, oh, let's hear another Bible study and okay, I punched my Christian clock for the week. I feel better now. No, 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 no. We're here to encourage one another, strengthen each other, build each other up, pray for one another, learn the word of God that we might go out to share the word of God. Because we're familiar with the word of God. We, we cannot be surprised, guys, with what the world is doing. Even though we're grieved, and in some sense we are surprised. We had uh, families over last night. Three of the families, I'm not going to get into it, but three of the families were from Southern California. They found out as they started talking, they were within miles of each other. And then they started telling us, because I'm not from California and don't ever want to go there again, but <laughs> why they left... And I'm like, no, you can't be serious. Oh, yes, yes, this is fact. This is what they're allowing over in California now. I'm just going, no, no, they no. Yes, we're telling you the truth. I'm just like, this is insanity. And it's surprising, but yet, why should we be surprised? Jesus said it's going to happen. Locusts are overtaking a country in Africa. Why should we be surprised? Jesus said, famines, earthquakes, pestilence, diseases. It's going to happen right before his son's, re- right before Jesus' return. So we're to look up, but as we're looking up, let's not forget that we have the scriptures. What are we doing with them? The Jews had the scriptures. But you know, they were looking for a conquering Christ. They weren't looking for a suffering servant. That's why they couldn't accept Jesus as their Messiah. And even under the banner of Christianity, we have this Christian fiction of health and wealth and blab it and grab it and confess it and possess it. Nonsense that will only work in America. Try taking that stuff to where somebody's making a dollar a day and see how well it goes over. It doesn't work. But let's get Americans because they don't know their Bible. They're suckers. We'll get their money. Know the word of God, guys. Know the word of God in the desperate days we're in. They were looking for a conquering Christ and not a suffering servant. You see, throughout his early ministry, Saul would come into the town or a city. He would first go to the synagogues. They had the word of God. He would show them in the word of God, which is Old Testament, by the way, in case you're new to the Bible. They didn't have the New Testament. New Testament was not written yet. So Paul would go to the, Saul would go to the Old Testament and he would show how Jesus fulfilled and people who have studied this for decades over three and Saul didn't hit all 300 but there's th- over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament of the coming Messiah he would hit on some of those and show that Jesus was the Christ Jesus is the Messiah they had the scriptures that's why he would always go to the synagogue first it's that simple it's that simple let's look at Matthew 21 Matthew 21 You see, some of the Jews would believe and others would mock them and then chase them out of their area. This is what's happening with Christianity now in America. The cross was and always will be either a rock of offense or a rock to stand and rely upon. Jesus in Matthew 21, and if you're new or visiting, greatly encourage you to have a Bible, especially a paper Bible. They always put a slide up so you can find it. Don't be embarrassed or ashamed. Take your time and get there. Matthew 21, 
Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? And it's interesting how Matt, through the Holy Spirit, because he didn't know what I was going to pick out. He doesn't know any scriptures that I pick out. We sang the second song was Cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you, speaking to the religious Jews, you've got the word of God, and you haven't been searching it, or you would have known I'm the Messiah. So God's going to take the word of God from you and be given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And I personally believe that's the Gentiles. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken. Are you humble enough to fall and accept Jesus as your Savior? Most of you in this room have. Maybe there's one person who hasn't. This is referring to you. Are you humble enough to fall on that stone, acknowledging that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I need you, Jesus. I need you. If you do that, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. He's going to accept you just the way you are. And over time, he's going to clean you. You don't, you don't clean a fish before you catch it. You catch the fish. And God just wants to catch you. He wants you to know he loves you. And he desires a relationship with you. But if you deny Jesus, and if you deny God, but on whomever it falls, notice that. You can fall on top of the rock, and find grace and mercy, or you can stiff-arm God and say, I don't need your love, and I don't need your word, and I don't need to heaven. God is loving, but God is just. And he's just giving you another opportunity this morning. You'll never be able to say, I never heard that. I, nobody ever told me. I just told you. You reject it, and God is just. You will be crushed on judgment day. Because your sins will become exposed before you and before God. All of your sins. Don't be crushed by the rock. We know that rock is Jesus. So as you look back in Acts, as we look at the end of this verse here, they also had John as their assistant. We see John Mark was alongside Paul and Barnabas to help in the ministry. And, and we're going to see that John Mark will not be able to stay with Barnabas and Saul for a duration of their first missionary trip. We're going to see that this morning. He went home for some reason unknown to us, but it must have not been a good one or a practical reason as far as Saul's concerned. And why do I say that? Well, continue to read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In just a few verses, we're going to see that Barnabas and Saul were getting ready to go on their second missionary journey. Barnabas wanted to take his nephew, John Mark, with them. And Saul said, no way. Paraphrasing it. He bailed with us on the first time. As far as I'm concerned, he can stay home. And there was such a contention between Barnabas and Saul that they had separated themselves and they went in different directions in ministry. Still ministering the gospel, but they had to separate. And again, this goes back to what we talked about last Sunday about being called into the ministry. The enemy, I I personally believe the enemy used John Mark to bring about a division between Barnabas and Saul. John Mark went on the missionary journey while Barnabas and Saul were sent. He went, Saul was sent. Now this isn't a bash John Mark. Let's finish it up. So does that mean that we shouldn't step out in the ministry for fear of failure? Because again, many people been in the ministry 25 years now. Many people will not step out in the ministry because they're afraid of failure. Fear neutralizes faith. We should not be afraid of failure. But we should count the cost prior to stepping out. You see, John Mark didn't fail from my perspective, but rather learn from this experience. And personally, that is the way that I see ministry. I might step out in an area after praying about that area, and if the Lord blesses it, great. If not, let it die. We don't put anything on life support around here. No ministry on life support. If the Holy Spirit's no longer in it, we pull the plug. We want to be where the Holy Spirit wants us to be. 
Don't try to make things happen, which many times ends up causing frustration and division. You see, even though Barnabas and Saul were sent and John Mark went, division came because of it. But God restored them through it all. You see, if I keep my eyes on the Lord and not the situation, and this is what I believe John Mark did, God will eventually be glorified. Why would I even think that? Well, in 2 Timothy 4.11, we read this. Years later, Saul writes this. It's his final letter. He's getting towards his goodbyes. He says, only Luke is with me. Take Mark. This is John Mark. Take Mark and bring him with you. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. So we see the beginning and we see the end. What took place in the middle, we don't exactly know for sure. We know that John Mark was uh, taken in by Peter as his spiritual son. And that's how Mark actually wrote the Gospel of Mark through Peter's first-hand account. Obviously through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but through Peter's first-hand account. Peter was very good friends with Paul. So during that span of time, something happened. Maybe John Mark needed repented. Maybe Paul misunderstood why he had to leave. We don't know. But here's the point, guys. God desires to reconcile and restore. Reconcile and restore. So if you've been in the ministry and you feel like you've gotten burned by somebody or that you've failed or whatever the excuse that's bouncing around in your head even right now, take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Surrender your heart to God fresh and new. And say, God, I want to be used. I don't think you've put me on the shelf. And God has not put anybody on the shelf. We put ourselves on the shelf. There's no such thing as spiritual retirement. I say this over and over and over again because I see it, unfortunately. There's no such thing as spiritual retirement. You retire when you take your last breath. Then you retire into heaven. Before then, God needs you and God wants to use you. So you and I, we need to continue to be praying God, what would you have for me to do? You see, reconciliation took place. Wonderful time. And now we see that God is using John, Mark, Peter, Paul, and he desires to use you and I as well. Another slide here. God will take our mistakes and failures and turn them into maturity and triumphs. If we allow him to. Guys, that's the biggest thing about mistakes. You have to be mature enough to make a mistake. I'm not going to mention the name because I forget the name. But one of the greatest home run hitters. If you do the statistics. He struck out more than he hit home runs. And they asked him about that. And he said, well, you can't hit a home run while you're watching the ball go by. He knew he was going to strike. And he knew he was going to strike out. But he also knew that he could hit a home run. Get off the bench and get into the game. You're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. I've made them. If you stay here long enough, you're new. I can guarantee you, I will disappoint you. Let's just put that on the table. I will disappoint you. And you'll disappoint me. That's called family. But we love each other, we move past it, and we keep serving the Lord to the best of our abilities. That's what it's all about. So just know that. God can take our mistakes and our failures, and he can turn them into maturity. If I'm mature enough in the first place to even step out, then I will be mature enough to go, man, did I just blow it? But God, you showed me, and I won't do that again. And you won't. And you'll be even more profitable for the ministry. Verse 6, back in Acts 13. Now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. You are going to see how our spiritual enemy will consistently be in our lives. Now he's not behind every bush. Satan is a created being, created by God. He is one angel. He can be in one place at one time. The demons, the fallen demons, we believe one-third of the heavenly host have fallen, which means we've got two-thirds on our side. And even forget that, we've got the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. So it's a win-win situation for us. 
So don't, please don't look for Satan behind every bush because he's not. But there is spiritual battles and it is very, very real. And he wants to distract us or those around us from the truth of the gospel. First Thessalonians 2, 17 through 18 says this. But we, brethren, have taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart. Endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Okay? Acts 16.7 says this. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit, and these are all caps. In your Bible, you'll see it's capital S, the Holy Spirit, did not permit them. And if you do a study in that, you're going to find that the Holy Spirit is mentioned way more than the enemy. That the Holy Spirit did this, the Holy Spirit did this, the Holy Spirit did this, the Holy Spirit did this. Not the devil did this, the devil did this, the devil did this. You're not going to find that. So I just bring that up to make sure you, that we understand that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And sometimes the Holy Spirit does stop us. And it's not the devil. It's the Holy Spirit stopping us. And we have to be mature enough to admit that and acknowledge that and go, okay, what else would you have me to do? Rest. Okay, I'll rest. I can guarantee you the Holy Spirit's never going to say retire. He's never going to say retire. Guarantee you that. Verse 7. Who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. Notice that. An intelligent man. So many people will say that you Christians are so weak. You're lame. You're unintelligent. You're dumb. Thank you very much. An intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. I'd rather be called ignorant and know Jesus as my Savior than to be called a genius and go to hell. So if you're a genius here today, you're either going to heaven or going to hell. The choice is yours. God doesn't send anybody there. So don't let your smarts outwit you. Because you're not as smart as you think. Proconsul, that's a governor or a military commander of an ancient Roman province. province. And here we're going to see Saul start to fulfill what Jesus told him several years earlier, possibly at this point, 13, 14, 15 years earlier, that he would stand before Gentile authorities, including kings, to proclaim the gospel, the good news. And what I like about this is notice that this official, he desired to hear the word of God. There are some who have no desire, and we don't throw our pearls before swine, Jesus says. So we do have to be careful that as we take the gospel, if somebody doesn't want to hear it, if somebody mocks it, if somebody ridicules it, just say, I, I will pray for you and close it up. Let the Holy Spirit convict them of their own foolishness. But also know that someone might ask you, so what do you need to do and what do I need to do? We need to be prepared to give every person an answer. Why do you hope? Why do you hope in God? Why do you hope in Jesus? Why do you go to church? Why do you, why, why do you read your Bible on break? I notice at lunch you read your Bible. Why do you do that? Uh, because my pastor told me to do it. Wrong answer. Really wrong answer. Don't waste it. You might only have one opportunity to share with that person. Verse 8, but Elimas, the sorcerer, for so his name was translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Again, our spiritual enemy at work, trying to turn a potential convert away from the truth. But notice in verse 9, then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. I actually have that highlighted in my Bible. Filled with the Holy Spirit looked intently at him and said, so Paul just, did, as he says this, he just didn't shoot from the hip and hope it worked. The Holy Spirit, I think that's in there via the Holy Spirit to, to make sure that we understand the point. You just don't go around doing what Paul's, Saul's going to do flippantly. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and make sure that the Holy Spirit is in, is directing you to say. Because listen, look, look at what Paul says. I mean, this is this takes a lot of guts. Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud. Sounds like he's talking to a politician. 
You son of the devil? He is talking about a politician. You enemy of all righteous? Definitely politician. (laughs) This is incredible. Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? Notice that. Will you not cease trying to take away our Second Amendment rights? Will you not cease trying to stop taking away our First Amendment rights? Guys, we have we have the Bible. The Bible trumps the Constitution, in case you haven't figured that out. You're a citizen of heaven. That's your first passport. Second passport, and I have a passport, is American. First passport is heaven. Everything else is just extra blessing. Wow, this is great. I get second and first amendments. This is fantastic. Many countries, no way. And certain people, if they get their wish and get elected, it's going to change very quickly. So don't get hung up on the first and second. Get hung up on the Bible. Because if it all goes away, who do we have? That was really weak. That's just what I say to the Sunday school kids, just to get them pumped up a little. Okay, if everything goes away, who do we, what do we have? Jesus. Guys, that's reality. That's reality. Take it away. Take it away. I'm of that, and I know some of you don't like when I say that, but that's where I'm at. And if you're not, you better get there, because you might not have a choice. Is all they have to do is flip a switch, and your account's done. We're not taking cash any longer. And oh, by the way, we just turned off your debit account. <gasps> yeah, you better really not drive a whole lot. That's reality. I mean, it's not, I'm not into hypotheticals or, or, you know, the big conspiracies. It's just reality, guys. One flip of the switch and it's done. Then Saul, who is called Paul. So we see Saul here was desired and Paul means little. You see, Saul was most likely given this name at birth because of King Saul of Israel. It was his Hebrew name, and because he was born a Roman citizen, he would have been given a Greek name at birth as well, which Luke introduces us here as being Paul. So maybe he was a little guy at birth. We don't know, but Paul means little. What I would like to point out about Saul Paul here is that as he matured in the faith, he was drawn closer to the light of God's purity. Very important principle for you and I this morning. Not so much the name change, but we want to learn something about this name, this man who's starting these missionary journeys. As he matured in the faith, he was drawn closer to the light of God's purity, which exposed more of his desperately wicked heart. Let me ask you a question and feel free to raise your hand. Is there anyone in this room that has a desperately wicked heart? Got some slides here. First Corinthians 15 says, For I am the least of all the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Saul penned that in roughly 56, 57 AD. Now in the early 60s, he pens this out of Ephesians. To me, speaking of Saul, Paul, who am less than the least of all the saints... This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So not worthy to be called apostle. Well, I'm the least of all the saints. And then we go to Timothy that he writes prior to his death. He writes this roughly uh, 64 to 65 AD. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I'm less than all the saints. I am a stinking sinner. Did he, did he refine sin? Did he figure out how to do it better and get away with it? Or did he just get so close to the light that he never became self-righteous ever again like he was as a Pharisee? Because he realized no matter how close I get, there's still just something within me And maybe you can identify with this because you have it all together. But sometimes, you know, going down the freeway at 70 miles an hour and somebody gets in front of me, there's just something that wells up beside me, you know. (laughs) If if you're not going to drive right, drive the streets. Don't get on the freeway if you don't know how to drive. It's just that simple. 
And I've got to go, oh, and Claudia will say, yeah, yeah, that's a good Christian you are. I know, 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 I know. I'm working on it, I'm working on it. Maybe I need to drive on the streets. I don't know, get off the freeway. But notice, will you cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind. That takes a lot of guts. So what happens if he's not blind? The guys, the governor's going to look at Paul, Saul and go, well, you call them a false prophet. Who are you? He's, he sees everything right now. So this is why you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit before you make any really bold proclamations. Not seeing the sun for a time. Notice that, for a time or for a season, a specific measure of time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. He instantly became blind. Verse 12. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. I personally don't believe that it was the blindness that God brought upon Elimus that impressed Sergius Paulus. But notice at the very end there, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. You will not find in the teaching of the Lord, on the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, that we're to walk around and cause blindness to people that are of the devil. You won't find that. But you will find biblically sound doctrine. And that's what I believe is taking place at the end of this verse here. Because unfortunately, many people, even under the banner of Christianity, many religious people, Many under the banner of Christianity seek after signs and wonders. But it is the solid doctrinal teaching of the word of God. And that's why we here at Calvary really stress the word of God. And that's why we have long Bible studies. Because emotions come and go. We talked about this on junior high. We had a great junior high outing this Friday night. Thank you for all the volunteers that came out. And the kids had a blast. We had such so much fun. But we talked about emotions. Emotions come and go. Emotions come and go. Any any minute, emotions come and go. But biblical solid doctrine does not come and go. It stays and it stays and it stays. From generation to generation. And it is you and I that need to pass it on to the next generation. It is solid doctrinal teaching of the word of God that transforms. And I'm going back 40 years. 41 plus years. When I was born again. And I had a very emotional experience. And everything from my probably, from probably the first three to four years of my Christian walk was based on emotions. It was all emotions. Slain in the spirit, doing all kinds of Christian fiction stuff. Because it was all emotions. But then when the emotions weren't there, oh, I must not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, this isn't a good church. You weren't running around. You weren't slaying anybody in the spirit. You must not be spirit-filled. we got to be careful going down that road. It has nothing to do with being spirit-filled. Doctrine is being spirit-filled. Not accepting sin in our lives is being spirit-filled. Homosexuality, same-sex marriage, having sex outside of marriage, abusing prescription drugs, pornography, that's being spirit-filled. Not the hocus-pocus stuff that might be seen in a group. And so for you and I, guys, we've got to be very, very careful that we don't go down that road. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. You see, the word of God will transform the life of a believer and protect that believer from deception. Deception. Emotions are deceptive. As I shared with the junior high on Friday night, because they most likely, almost all of them, a high percentage, will be married. And I share with them how people have come into my office, not many, but a few, I think two or three over the years, 30 years of discipling. And they'll sit there and they'll tell me, well, God's okay with me getting a divorce. I'm like, really? He called you on the phone? How do you you know that? (laughs) He's okay with you doing that. Yes, I've fallen out of love. You didn't fall out of love because there's no such thing as falling in love. For God so felt, 
like loving the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever might believe might have eternal life. If he's having a good day and you're having a good day, you, you it, might, it might happen. I don't know. I don't know if I really feel like you coming to heaven or not today. Look at how miserable you are. For God so loved the world. Fact, not feeling. Fact. Feelings come after the facts. Not always good feelings, but feelings come after the facts. 1 Corinthians 1, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, notice where the wisdom of this world, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks, or Gentiles, seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block. We're looking for a conquering Christ, not a suffering servant. And to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, to those who are saved, both Jews and Greeks, Jews and Gentiles, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Praise God. Back in Acts 13. Now, when Paul and his party sent sail from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. So we've already talked about that, so we'll, we'll forego that. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia. Now, this is not Antioch of Syria. This Antioch is in the middle of modern-day Turkey, center as far as north-south, and it's a little bit to the west of central Turkey. So it's a, it's a very far distance from Antioch, Syria, which is a coastal city uh, that, that Saul used and Paul used for his hub of missionary journeys. So that takes care of that. And went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, so notice what took place right there. Did you notice that? Saul and the team, whoever was with them, Barnabas, John Mark's not there anymore. We don't know if they picked anybody else up by this time, but it's at least the two of them. They went in, they sat down, and they listened to what was being taught. They weren't busted in the doors. We've got all the answers. Give us the pulpit. They listened. They heard. They were waiting upon the Holy Spirit. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So they knew they were visitors. They knew that they were educated. Saul was very, very educated. And so in that day and age, because they didn't have Twitter and all the social stuff that we had, when they had visitors that would come in, they would allow them to speak because that's how news got transferred throughout the region. So what, what do you have for us? You've been traveling. What do you have for us? Then Paul stood up and motioned with his hand, said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The word fear there, reverence. You who have a healthy reverence towards God. Very important. Remember, the crucifixion and resurrection of the Messiah is a new concept to the Jewish people. What do you have to say for us? What do you, what do you want to tell us? They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't understand the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. It's new. So now, Paul is going to start sharing that. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Now, for a time of about 400 year, 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. I love that. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterwards, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he, notice, when God had removed Saul the king, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he, God, gave testimony and said, now this is just an incredible testimony, that this is now in the New Testament, a thousand years after David had committed 
what? Adultery, murder, drunkenness. And what is said of David? I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Did David make mistakes? Yes. Did God, did he get reconciled? And as you read the Psalms, he knew he made mistakes and he was hiding his mistakes. And it says, my bones were drying up. He was so grieved over his mistakes. He just didn't make them and say, ah, well, no big deal. No, he was grieved that brought repentance, which then brought reconciliation and restoration. And that's why that verse is there to show us, you and I, that we can be a person after God's own heart as well by repenting, by grieving, repenting, and God will restore us. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. So now Saul is going to start introducing them to Jesus, the Messiah. After John had first preached, this is John the Baptist, before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course or his ministry, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not the Messiah. But behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Saul continues, Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who reverence God, to you, the word of this salvation has been sent. The gospel is coming to you today. I'm going to teach you that Jesus is the Messiah. Are you ready to listen? Are you ready? For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. Notice, Saul, who was a Pharisee, who was putting himself in these verses here. I used to hear the scriptures all the time. And I didn't see Jesus. I didn't acknowledge he was the Messiah. That was me. I was blind. I had the scriptures. And guys, this was me for 17 years as a Roman Catholic. Roman Catholic, they read the scriptures every single Sunday. There's so much other nonsense going on too. But the scriptures are read every single Sunday at Mass. Every single Sunday. And I was living like the devil. The scriptures were there. But because I didn't have the Holy Spirit within me, and if you're here today and you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, these scriptures today mean nothing. They're just blowing through your brain. You have to ask Jesus to be your Savior. The Holy Spirit will come within you, and then the light will go on, and then you'll start going, oh, oh, oh. And then you'll start to understand. This is real. This is relevant. Wow, I used to mock it. Now I love it. And they found no, verse 28, and though they found no cause of death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Innocent man. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, notice that. Saul saying they just fulfilled the scriptures. They just fulfilled God's word. They took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him up from the dead. Now for you and I, because we hear this all the time, it's no big deal. So you have to put yourself in their shoes. Raised from the dead. Nobody gets raised from the dead. When they die, they die. That's it. And for us, you know, you go to a memorial service, you go up to the casket. It kind of shocks me every time. I, I kind of look at it and go, are they really dead? Yeah, they're really dead. Should I pray over them? No, they're in heaven. Why would I want to bring them back? They're dead. We know they're dead. So that, again, you got to get this idea in your head. This is a totally new concept. So they're kind of going like a dog, huh? He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem who are witnesses to the people. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. we got time. So important. Because again, we might have an unbeliever in our midst this morning. And I know most of you are believers, but you need to know this list here. You need to reference this list. Memorize this address. Uh, and that, if you can memorize all of it, great. I, I have a two-week memory, so try to at least memorize the address. 1 Corinthians fifteen three. For I delivered to you first of all that, with that which I also received. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. 
that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen by Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to the present. So even as Paul is writing this, there's still hundreds of men who are still walking around alive. Anybody, did anybody see Jesus after his resurrection? Boom. Hundreds of hands went up. Some had died, but there are still hundreds of men. Yeah, yeah, we saw him. We were there. We were there. We saw him. You gotta know this. Of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have died. After that, he was seen by James, then by the, all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. Back in Acts 13. Very, very important. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us through their children in that he has raised up Jesus as it is also written in the second Psalm. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He was, he has spoken thus. I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. For David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, died, was buried with the fathers and saw corruption. They went in, took his bones apart. That's what they do. And they put all the bones in a little box. That way they can keep the family all together. They have David's bones to this day in Jerusalem. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. Here's the gospel. And by him, everyone who believes is justified, just as if you never sinned, justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. He had him right between the eyes. I was trying to be justified through the law of Moses, and I was going to hell, Saul's saying. I realized I needed a savior. I accepted Jesus. Now I'm going to heaven because he covers all sins. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe. The one will declare it to you. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes, Gentiles who converted to Judaism, followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And guys, that's why we're here this morning, to continue in the grace of God. But just not to have it to ourselves. But as we go out, as I mentioned so often, over the doors we have now entering your mission field. On your way out. Not on the way in. On the way out. You have four, six, eight, ten people around you in your workplace, in your neighborhoods, in your family members. You know they need Jesus. They know they need Jesus. They don't want Jesus. But they're looking at you to give them that salt. Why would I need your Savior? To be that light. Why do I need light? Guys, we're the salt, Jesus said. We are the light. As we go out into our mission field, let's remember, we have the blessed feet. Are we willing to be used in the mission field? I think all of us in this room as believers would say, yes, we are willing. But then we have to really pray about it and go, am I seriously willing? (laughs) Say, I'm willing. Yeah, maybe next week. No, am I seriously willing? Father, I thank you and praise you. For I know every Christian on the face of this earth wants to serve you, but we all battle with this thing called the flesh. And our flesh convinces us that we don't have time, that we don't have the resources, that we don't have the giftings. Whatever excuse the flesh throws at us, for whatever reason, uh, so many just believe that and they walk through this life not being available. So, Father, I pray that we, this week, really pray about our serious. Are we seriously available? Or are we just available? I think I'm available. I don't know. 
Lord, we want to be available, seriously available for your work, that people might get saved, that we might give an answer to the unbeliever or to the backslidden believer, a good, solid, biblical answer. God loves you and desires a relationship with you. Come to him or come back to him, whatever the case may be. Help us, Father, be your Holy Spirit to be seriously available this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Won't we all stand, guys? God bless you. Have a great week. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be saints up here to pray for you. Please come forward to pray. We would love to pray with you. If you need Jesus as your Savior, we have a Bible up here. If you receive Jesus, please come up. We'd love to give you the Bible. I may never ever see you again, but we'll see you in heaven. Don't leave here without receiving Jesus, guys. God bless you. Have a great day. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, God's working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Stop never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you working. Even when I don't feel it, you working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you working. Step out in faith this week. Come up for prayer.